something? That's fine. Uh, let's, let's, let's do this thing. Um, let me see. Uh, jackets. Okay, jackets. If you have a jacket, find someone with uh, similar jackets with you, okay? And then say, hi, good morning. And if you're not wearing a jacket, your sweatshirt, whatever the, the exterior, mo- uh, whatever you're wearing right now, finding the twin with you and say, good morning, God bless you, good to see you. Find someone, suits and suits, uh, shirts and shirts, t- sweaters and sweaters. Yeah, button-ups, there you go, okay. Whatever it is, matching, say hi, good morning, God bless you, good to see you. Whoa, okay, you okay? <laughs> Too excited, okay. All right, this morning we do have something very special for you. Um, as you noticed, uh, we've been promoting this uh, special ministry called Stephen's Ministry uh, for the past little while. And uh, uh, the Chinese has uh, launched uh, the ministry commissioning a few weeks ago. And this week, it's our turn here in the English congregation to bless and commission. Uh, we have uh, five min- uh, Stephen Ministry leaders here with us. And I've been told the latest with 21 uh, student, 24 now. Oh, wow. Okay. 24 people who signed up to be a part of the Stephen ministry as a Stephen ministry uh, minister. And then so it's a great ministry. It cares for people, bring a, a lot of blessings uh, to all of us. If you have needs or friends and community, different needs. And, and so we want to bless them this morning and commission them uh, to start this journey uh, in this church. And it's a brand new ministry we have. So I want to welcome our uh, elder Leung, uh, Stanley, uh, Minister Stanley and Esther and, and Grace and Keenan, please come on up. And as a church, I would like you to all pray for them this morning. And then so in a moment, I will ask you to all to stand. And again, these are our Stephen Ministry uh, leaders. And then so they will be training uh, for five months' time uh, our Stephen Ministry ministers. And it's a long process. They need a lot of prayer. So today is just kicking it off. But we want you to continue to pray for them uh, throughout the next I don't know, 10, 20, 30 years, as long as they're here in this church kind of thing. So uh, it never sees prayers, right? So uh, so if we can, let's all stand as a church family and let's bless them and pray for them and then commission them uh, to start this wonderful ministry here in this church. So let's take a moment to pray for them. Father God, we want to thank you this morning. You've created uh, this uh, brand new ministry in our church and then and you called five Stephen ministers, uh, leaders, uh, to, to really serve this church because they see the need. And I, we pray that you will use all of them, uh, the 24 Stephen ministry uh, ministers, uh, just use them, train them, build them up, and, and just refine them so that they can be uh, suitable servants to bless the community, to bless our church. And we just pray that, that you will you'll really bless their families as they take on this new task. It's a challenging task that you will really just protect them and guide them and, and just in whatever they do they see the favor of you in their lives and bless uh, again uh, Keaton and Grace uh, Esther and Stanley and Elder Leung and just all of them are just calling you uh, just for their help and strength and be with them and 24 ministers God use them use their families bless them and we pray this in Jesus name amen all right thank you guys thank you Stephen ministry keep them in your prayers Okay, now as you know, we're in this series, uh, um, you know, we are family using Ephesians, and we'll continue our uh, sermon series in that, and today we have this really interesting thing, it's Ephesians 21 to verse 33, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 to 33, and uh, so there's a lot happening today, but as you know, uh, one of the things I really need all the time, anytime I'm here on this pulpit is your prayers. Uh, again, uh, I'm not here to preach 
what I know, my philosophy, but really here to share the Word of God. And, and so without your prayers, without your really just you know, helping me in discerning what's from God, it's really hard to know that. And, and so I ask uh, again this morning that you pray for me so that I can speak the Word of God and, and pray for yourselves. You know, I always say this, and I want to remind you again that you're here for a reason, and you're not here to just hang out with your friends or do this or that, but really to listen to the Word of God. And, and so it's a, a time for us to really come together as a church, as a family, as brothers and sisters in Christ, to pray for one another and to receive the Word from God. And so just I ask you this morning again to pray for me and, and pray for yourselves and myself as well, that we are here to, to take in the Word of God. So let's take a moment to pray for one another. Our Heavenly Father, it's all about you. It's not about any of us. We're here because your grace, your love called us. We're here because you want us to be here to meet you and to, to encounter you, to, to know you better. And I just pray that this morning we will know you better and we will encounter you. And just I just pray that we're so lacking, you know, we're so weak and we're so limited in what we can do in our wisdom. I just pray that you speak this morning, God, and, and you allow us to to hear your wise words and then to hear your encouraging words and transformation comes from you and your spirit. Help us this morning to, to come together again to uh, just say, God, we, we are here to listen. Change us, speak to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Ephesians 5, uh, if you have your Bible, let's turn to that. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 to 33. And uh, Ephesians is in the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible, you can raise your hand. Our ushers are more than happy to help you. Uh, they have a, a stack of Bibles ready to hand out. So if you don't have your Bibles, raise your hand real quick. Uh, we have some youth over there that need the Bible. Um, and if you have your you know, e-Bible, and I want to remind you again, you know, just use it for the biblical purposes. You know, none of that. WeChat or iMessage or, you know, Facebook. I know I can be boring sometimes, but the Word of God is never boring. Uh, so just uh, make sure that you follow on the Scripture. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse tw- 21 to 33. That's our Scripture this morning. And uh, I titled today's sermon, uh, uh, Resolving the Marriage Puzzle. And, and we'll get to that real quick. But uh, it's, it's definitely a very uh, a packed uh, schedule this morning. So we'll go through as, this, as quickly as possible. And I use the NIV. And I've taken the, the instructions for a Christian household uh, from the NIV subtitle commentary kind of thing. And, and, and this is the Word of God. It says this, is I submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And it goes on. This says this, The husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this, in this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. He who love his, loves his own wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. And it goes on, For we are members of his body, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And this is a profound mystery, 
but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wives as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. I, I, I love this because, you know, this is one of the tougher passages to preach in our day today. It's talking about a husband and wife relationship and submission and respect and, and love and sacrifice and all that. And, and But in this, I think the verse 21 is the key verse that we have to focus on. Verse 21 says, says that submitting to one another out of the reverence for Christ. And, and this is a, a lesson for all Christians. And I, I call this a key lesson in Christian living. That as we become a believer, as we come to faith, this is one of the key elements in order for us to succeed as a Christian and to live the way that Christ intended us to live, and that is to submit to one another. And so submission is really, really hard. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. To submit to someone is that you're becoming a subject of, or to put yourself under someone else's authority. And that's a really, really hard lesson because we like to be our own bosses. You know, we like to know what we're doing. We like to be in charge. And, and some of us more so than the other people. But, but to really say, I, I will listen to you, that is really, really hard. Especially in today's world that we all feel like we have something to say. You know, I was looking at this uh, online blog and, and, and just like Facebook, uh, YouTube and all this stuff. And I, I noticed something that everyone has a voice nowadays and everyone has a say. And, and instead of going to the doctor, for expert advices, we like to go online and and you know just like uh, you know search it up. You know this is the symptoms and and, and so we like to play doctor because we like to be in charge of our own destiny. We like to be in charge of who we are and what we do and the decisions that we make. And, and so we create this this idea that that I am important and I know best and in my research, uh, you know, is it, more sufficient than someone who spent seven years in medical school because I have web MD. You know, like. Like seven seconds, I know exactly what's wrong with me, and, and I'm a, a professional now. And, and so we have this idea that we like to be in charge. We like to know what we're doing, and, and we are the boss. And submission is saying that you are giving up that authority and saying that I don't know what's best for me. And I trust that you know what's best. And I trust that you will take me to a place that is better than before. And so submission is really, really hard for today. And so I find that interesting because it's just not submitting. Submission to Christ will be easy because we believe in God. It says that we are to submit to one another. And that's, that's really hard, you know. I want you to look around you this morning, okay. Turn around and look around uh, and look at the people next to you right now, okay. Uh, to the right, to the left, to the back, to the front, whatever it is. And you look at that person that, and, and one of them, okay, I'm sure someone behind you or in front of you or beside you, one of them, you're like, no way, I'm not listening to this person because I, I just don't trust him. I don't think he knows anything. Like, I'm looking at Pastor Dean, right. Who's sitting beside Pastor Dean this morning? Kaya, right? So, so according to the scripture, submitting to one another, meaning that sometimes Pastor Dean has to look at Kaya and say, I submit to you. And, and that's like, wait, how does that make sense? How do we submit to the people around you? And, and, and here's a question. Would you do it? Would you submit to the brother and sister who you feel like are more immature, less whatever spiritual and, and less capable and whatever it is? And, and you say like, I, I don't know if I want to listen to this person. And I see that in churches a lot, right? Because we feel like we are so smart, we're so experienced, and we know the best. And we'll look at other people and we say, no, 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 I don't want to listen to you. You don't know what you're talking about. Do you know I've been a Christian for like 30 years? You're a new believer. You have nothing to offer. And we have all this pride inside of us. And we don't want to listen. And we don't want to submit to one another. But here's the scripture. It says that, that we are to, to come under the authority of one another. And, and that's a hard lesson. 
It's like God can use any of you right now to speak to me, right? And I'm the pastor, but I have to listen if God is using you to speak to me. And that's a hard lesson for a lot of us because we, we judge people by their exteriors, uh, their age, their experiences, and, and you know, their education, even sometimes with their, with their wealth. You know, we look at them and, oh, this is a successful person, therefore I will listen to him. And if you're homeless, you have nothing to offer kind of thing. And I want you to kind of just take that back a little bit and say, imagine Jesus. Would you listen to Jesus this morning? A 30-year-old unemployed person walking around the street, you know, like it has no job, no wife, nothing, okay? And he comes in and teach you about the Bible. Would you listen? Because that's who he was. He was unemployed, and he was a carpenter before that. And so what does he have to offer to us? And, and here's, the, again, this mindset change and shifting, saying now we are to submit to one another because, and here's this, is that out of the reverence for Christ, we're doing this because God wants us to do it. And it's through them God is speaking to us. Therefore, we will submit to them. And it's not, that's something we have to really think about and say, now, wow, God wants us to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, listening to them as God speaks to me through like the young people, the old people, uh, the, the, the fat people, the skinny people, I don't know, the rich people, the poor people, whatever it is, whoever it is, God wants me to submit to them and listen to them under their authority and say, I will listen, I will bring myself down. And, and that's easy in a way, in theory, right? Because we know as a Christian, we are to be humble, you know, humility and all that stuff. And so, so I like that, that Paul gives us three relationships to follow this, this command that submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And, then, and so as we go through uh, chapter 5 and chapter 6, there are three relationships that Paul speaks about. And the first one is the marriage relationship, which is the one that we'll talk about today. And the next one was a uh, family relationship between parents and children. And the third one would be work relationship between uh, uh, masters and slaves kind of thing and servants and sl- uh, master kind of thing. And so, so three relationships that Paul is giving us this, this method or this, this uh, field or practicum areas or internship areas where we can practice this submission to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so, and I like that because, you know, I, I feel like Paul brings the marriage relationship out first because I think out of all human relationships, marriage relationship is the most difficult. And, uh, and, and so that's why I think he listed first. And then so you can ask Paul one day when you go to heaven, but I'm guessing this is why. Uh, but the most difficult one, I do believe, is the marriage relationship. And, and here's why marriage is so hard. And then I, I, the value system, you know, I, if you've ever gone through like marriage counseling, you would know that, that they will tell you that oftentimes when you get married, it's not about two people coming together. It's about how many people? Take a guess, guys. Six people coming together, right? There's you and your spouse who are, and, and their parents, their in-laws. So six people are coming together because of their value system. And value system means this is that the way you look at things, you know, like how you, how you will make decisions and, and, and you know, what affects you, what, val- uh, what matters to you. Like my family, my dad used to be a businessman. So we're very success and money driven. You know, that's just the honest truth because how do you define success as a business person when you have a lot of money, right? So therefore, our value system is built on that and saying that, hey, by the way, how do you know you made 
negative when you make a lot of money, right? Now, whereas my wife, uh, my in-law, my father-in-law, he's a professor at a university, right? So he teaches students and things like that. And for them, it's the pursuit of education, right? Knowledge, intelligence, that matters the most. So when Kate and I first got married, we have this, this, this constant, like, tension, right? I'm like, we need to pursue after, like, things, right? And she's like, that's so materialistic. You know, you need to be spiritual. Let's go after, like, education, right? And, and, and some of you might know that I am uh, going uh, to, to a, a, a program uh, similar as uh, Pastor Dean. I'm going back to school kind of thing. And my wife is the biggest driver of that. She's like, Jim, you need to be educated. You need to go and take some more classes, right? You're not smart enough, right? And, and so, 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 so that's kind of like her value system and my value system. For me, I'm like, I don't want to be a pastor. I want to go and be in business and make a lot of money. And that's, that's just me. And so when you're married, you have this, this colliding system, value system that's just kind of at work. And, and so family is the most difficult one. Like your marriage is so hard. Like when you're in the same family, I have no issues talking about money, and success in my own personal family because we all raised that way like my parents pass on that value system to us there's no conflict whatsoever right now whereas you know like like when i talk to like my in-laws i just like their entire family is all about like achievements in terms of like you know like pursuit of like education like my my brother-in-law he writes books and you know it's just like really interesting it's a very different like my brother he's like an investment banker kind of thing and, and so it's like the two routes and, and at work, it's okay because, you know, when you go to work, it's the same type of value system. You're all there to be successful, to make money, to get promotions and all that stuff. So when you're married, you have two clashing systems coming together. And I won't spend too much time. And time is this, is that when you, you spend 18 years with your family, okay? And you spend whatever amount of time at work. In the Bay Area, every three to five years, people switch jobs. And if you're at the same company for like 10 years, that's considered a long time, right? So, but in a marriage, do you know how long we spend with our spouses? Like 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. You're spending all this time with the same person that has clashing value system with you. You know, that's hard, guys. That's really, really hard. And here's the thing. Like, like you know, distance, meaning like proximity to the person. Literally, the physical distance between, you know, family. 18 years, you're done, right? You live together. That's all good. Work, you go to work. You see them for eight hours. You go home. You're good. You know, like you have your cubicles. You're good. But when you are married, right? You know what happens? You not only share the house, you share a bed, okay? And that's hard, guys. You know, like, and I told you about my story about me snoring and my wife kicking me. That's just the reality of it. You know, like, it, it does, it happens. You know, it, it, you're side by side with this person for the next 40 years. And that's a lot of things, a lot of tension. And here's the problem. When you're living together, you know everything wrong about that person. Like everything, like, you know, like you're like, man, you don't brush like three times a day. You brush like two times, you know, and you use like too much toothpaste, too little and whatever it is, you know, like, you know, all the details, you know. And, and, and so so it's so hard, OK, in a marriage relationship to do this. And this is the Bible says that wives submit to your own husband. Man, is it hard. You know, I'm looking at the wives, you know. This is, a, this is a scripture that people don't like to talk about. You know, they're like, wives, submit to your husband. And you're looking at your husband right now. He's like, no, no, not this guy. You know, like maybe someone else. But this guy, I don't know if I want to submit to him because I know him. He snored and he farts, you know, and all that stuff, right? You're like, he is disgusting at times. And I just, I don't know if I can submit to him, right? And, it, and But here's what women should do according to the Bible. I'm not making this up, right? I'm not saying this. Here's what the Bible says. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Again, you need to come under the authority of your husband. And you'll be struggling right now. You're like, I, I know him. You know, 
he's definitely not worthy of my submission because he is flawed. He is just, oh, you know, he makes mistakes all the time and I'm more spiritual and all that stuff, right? And, and so, so but, but the Bible is teaching us that we need to submit to our husbands. And, and, and here's the thing. It's not just any type of submission. It's just that ask to the Lord, Right, and, and that's a tough one for a lot of believers because I, I see a lot of good sisters at church. Like I grew up in a very traditional church, and here's a population of like good sisters and like good brothers. Like you have a lot of good sisters and very few good brothers. I don't know why. It's just like this is always the way. And then so 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 you have this this discrepancy between like a lot of mature spiritual sisters somehow need to submit to this low level brother, you know, who just you know. Uh, you know, like you're frustrated about that, right? And and it says that that you're submitting to them, as to the Lord. And that, that's that, that that's hard, you know. And, and and here's the thing: it says that here's the big reason because husbands are they're they're the heads, you know. God has called them to lead the family, and and, and we're supposed to, as women, we are supposed to listen to them and submit to them because God has placed them in this leadership. And you're you're doing this, and you're like, man, I I don't know if I can. I can do this, you know, and, and so, so but husband is the head, and, it's, and again it equates this. It says that that the Bible tells us that that the husband equating the husband to Christ as the head of the church. Now I think I think again none of us have issues to to submit to Christ, but but God is equating husband as the head of our relationships and our marriages to ch- Christ as the head of the church, and, and that's a that's a big thing, you know, and and, and so. So the, the struggle is real, you know, like like there's so many good sisters right now that that's just like, oh, I don't know if I can do this because my husband is just not there yet. And, and, and here's the crazy thing. I, I, you know, I'm not saying this, but the Bible is, this is that the wife should submit in what? Everything. Everything. And I'm looking at that, I might say, well, I wish it says that in spiritual things, in, in fun things, uh, sad things, serious, uh, major things, whatever it is, that, that it says this, that, that in everything, submit to their husband. And so how do we cope with this? You know, God wants us to submit to our husbands in, 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 in everything that we do. And so, so here's, here's what I got out of this, is that, that our job, well, not my job, I'm, a, I'm not a girl, but, you know, as wives, you know, like, our, you know, your job, okay, your job is to submit to your husband in everything. But what does that mean? It means this, is that, that, that when God has called you, right, you are to, to really build up your husband, okay, to allow him to lead, to create opportunities by purposely giving up your authority, so that they can be in charge. Do, do you hear me? That you are purposely giving up your authority so that they are able to lead. Whether or not you think they're suitable, that's one thing. But the teaching is that, that you are to give up what you think is your right, your leadership, your knowledge, your strength, and say, I will create an opportunity now for my husband to step up and do what he is supposed to do. That is to lead me. That is to lead this family. And, and, and that's the submission in it. You have this humility to, to build up your husband. And sometimes that means that, that, that even though your husband will be making the wrong decision, right? I have a better decision, but you say, I'm going to take the back seat, okay? I'm going to submit to you, allow you to make your mistakes. 
allow you to test out what it means to lead this relationship. Because sometimes a strong woman that we have today, we're so quick to say, this is the way to do it. And we don't give them opportunity to really be the leader in our relationships. We're so fast to, to take charge of things because we are saying that we know better. And when you do that, you are not humbling yourself to the submission, allowing your husband the, the, the role and the, the opportunity to lead you. And, and so submission is this humility to build up your husband. And I want you to remember that because that is a conscious choice that you're making. You're saying that I will now be a woman that is intended to build up my husband so that he can become the leader that God wants him to be. And that, that's, that, that takes really conscious choices for you to say, I will submit. And, and, and here's the thing. Sometimes I hear sisters complain about their, their husbands and, you know, or brothers and things like that. It's like, man, they just don't make decisions. And then I look at her and I realize that she's so strong and she's making all the decisions. He has no opportunities to make decisions. How can he grow and lead if he's not given the chance to do so? So submit yourself. You know he might be heading down the wrong direction. That's okay. Lower yourself. Let him do what he is supposed to do, and that is to lead, and that is to guide this family, your family, your relationship to the place where God wants you to be. And it goes on in verse 33, and I love this verse as well. And it says, However, let one of, each one of you uh, love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that he respects the husband, her husband. And, and here's the thing. Huh? You know, respect is such an interesting thing. You know, like, like we, sometimes I see relationships, and then I see the wife undermining, criticizing, tearing down the husbands, Right? There's no respect. Respect is about really trusting and having this honoring your husband. And, and sometimes I, I feel like men, you know, like, I, you know, they have no place to hide almost when their wives are speaking about them, like, oh, he's no good. And what it might be the false humility with the Chinese culture. We're just criticizing everybody and we want to present ourselves as humble and, you know, things like that. But we're just like, you know, oh, so and so makes so, so much more money. They're more successful. We compare our husbands. And, you know, here's the thing I'm speaking from the men's perspective. We have a ego the size of this like that's it that's all we have right and you step on it it's gone like we just like oh, i don't i can't you know like we have a, a you know we have egos right but they're so small and when you criticize and you step on that thing we just collapse and we don't want to lead anymore like have you noticed like you nag your men right you nag and nag and nag right they actually don't become better men they become lesser of a man have you noticed that? Like, have you noticed that your nagging doesn't really work, you know? Because I, I want to bring that to light. Because my, my wife's not here this morning. I wish she is. I'll still say the same thing. But, but, but you know, nagging. We're like, oh, you know, somehow by our nagging, our husband will become more manly. I, I don't know where that comes from, you know? Like, we're suppressing them, hoping that they will become men. And, and you know, in the Proverbs, this, this is that, that uh, it's better to be at a corner of a roof, right? than to have a nagging wife. You know, that's just from the Bible, not from me. And, and again, we, we are supposed to really respect our husbands and not read them. And, and, and so, so it makes a lot of sense because men desire respect from their women. They do. Like, I, I want my wife to respect me. You know, every Sunday, I, when I preach back in you know, my old church, every Sunday on the way home, we have a 40-minute drive. I'll ask her, right? I'll say, Kate, what do you think of the message today? And, and somehow, after like 10 years, she still didn't get it. It's like she will criticize me. She was like, yeah, I think this one is okay. That one's not okay. And, 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 and really, what I really wanted to hear was this, is that you did a good job. You know, God was using you. But, 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 but you know, we somehow don't have that. We're we not connected. And, and so the 
Bible tells us that, hey, the wife needs to see that you respect your husband because that's very important to build him up. And, and here's the thing. Respect is this, this desire to build up your husband. It, so submission is this humility. You say, I will humble myself, right? I'll do this because God wants me to do it. I'll do it. Begrudgingly, I'll do it, okay? But here's the thing. We need to go for the second thing, which is to respect your husband, and that is this desire to build him up. See, you need to have this, this, and you have it, I think. A sister have that. But sometimes they use the negative method, and I like to encourage you by using a positive method. That is to show respect, to have encouraging words, and to really build them up, allow them to really feel like they are the man in this relationship. It's funny, God builds men differently than women. They really need to feel that they are the men of this relationship. And by nagging them, by, by criticizing them, by tearing them down, by, by doing all these things, it will not help them be a better man. You need to have the desire to say, I will do what God wants me to do, and that is to build you up by encouraging words. By, by, you know, men will never complain when you tell them that they did a good job. Trust me on that one. Go home and try on your husband. You did a good job. You cook well, whatever it is. Tell them that you're a great husband. You provided for our family. You're a good dad. You teach our kids well. Watch and see what happens to your man. They will, they will just, they have this glow, you know. They were like, man, I feel like a man today. And, and so, so respect your man. Build him up. Desire to build him up. And, and here's the thing, though. The truth is, submission and respect is so hard for a woman in this relationship, in a marriage relationship, because there's the curse of sin. You know what the Bible tells us in Genesis 3.16? To the woman, God said that, I surely will multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children, and your desire shall be contrary to, or shall be toward your husband, but he shall rule over you. Do you see this? This tension was prescribed thousands of years ago, saying that, by the way, you will be married, and you will want to rule your husband. Your ideas, your opinions will be different than your husband's, but guess what? He is to rule over you. Do you see how much tension that will be? Because you, like, this is like thousands of years building up, women and men, Versus like this, this is like you're trying to climb a top and then the man's like, no, no, you stay down and you, you fight. And that's a great tension that we have and that is the curse of sin. But here's the crazy thing. Once we're believers, that curse is broken. We can now have a relationship where the wife no longer have to be this, this contrary or, or have this desire to rule over the husband and the husband trying to do the, the same thing and you have this tension. You are able to break free in Christ Jesus. You are able to break free in this new creation, in this new family. And, and so, so the first thing is this, is that why is it so hard? Because curse of sin. And second is this, is that, and I, I think this is a, a big reason because I see a lot of good Christian women sitting among us and you still have trouble uh, submitting, respecting your husband, because this is the thing. Men are not acting like men today. Like we have a lot of men that are simply not men, according to the biblical understanding. Now, I know this is a sensitive topic. You know, we, we have gender roles, and we're like, oh, equality, sensitivity, all this. This is a great thing. I'm not saying a real man in the Bible can't be sensitive and can't be emotional, but I am saying this is that men are not acting like men today. We have 30-year-old men living at home, we have 40-year-old, 50-year-old men living at home. We have people who just are not independent, who are not strong, who are not leading, who are simply just doing whatever it is they, they just to, to, to have the least amount of trouble in their lives. 
And that's just men not acting like men. We're supposed to lead, labor and toil, provide, protect, and guide, and, and just be that spiritual leader. And we look around the churches today, the men are not stepping up. So men are not acting like men. And the second thing is this, is that men are not acting like Christ. You're a believer, but you don't act like a believer. You don't give, you don't tithe, you don't serve, and you're just taking the back seat. Let your wife serve and give and all that stuff. And I see that in a lot of Christian relationships where the women are the one that has commitment and dedication, heart for ministry, and the men are like, oh, I'm going to sit back and relax because you will do the job. I like to sit behind. I work hard every day, so I'm not going to do anything. In fact, I'm going to give you a little secret. I hope you don't mind. But Stephen Ministry, we have how many women? 20 women and four men. And look around our church right now. You know, it's, it doesn't make sense. I'm, it, it, there should be no limitation for men. We need to step up and to be more like Christ. And yet we're not doing that. And you can't blame the sisters not respecting you and not submitting to you because you're not, you're not acting like it. And the church is built towards men, and yet male leadership is on a decline. Like we have a lot of females stepping up to teach and to lead because men are not standing up and doing what they're supposed to do. They're, they're God-given this, this calling in their lives, in their churches. So men, you're the problem. I am the problem. Like, you know, so we have to be real about this. It goes on. So what should we do? What should men do? What do we do as men? And the first thing is this, that we have to love our wives. And you say, well, I do love my wife. You know, like what does that mean? And it says this, as Christ loved the church, you know. So your love, it's not just this physical, chemical, whatever it is. But this, this, this is a, the way Christ loved the church is not all about lovey-dovey relationship or emotion or feelings or chemistry and all that stuff. It's really about this. is that, that as you love, as Christ loved, this is what he did, gave himself up. So, so here's what men need to do. When you love your wife, this is the conscious choice to sacrifice yourself for the benefit of your wife. When was the last time men start to sacrifice themselves, making that choice so that their wife can, can be benefited, can be strong, can feel loved and, and appreciated? And have we done that? And that's what love is. It's not this like, oh, I love you, I love you, and a lot of words, you know. Those are great. But when was the last time you sacrificed what you want? Maybe it's time with your friends watching basketball and say, well, you know what? I will not watch that. I want to sacrifice my friend time and hang out with my wife. When's the last time you go home and say, I'm tired, but I will sacrifice my own comfort sitting on the couch. I'm going to watch the kids, wash the kids, wash the dishes, cook dinner, whatever it is. I'm tired. Everyone's tired. You know that, right? So, so men, women, you're all tired. But when was the last time you say, I'm going to take the hit for the family. I'm going to sacrifice my own comfort and step up and love my wife. And trust me, men, when you wash dishes, Women are not going to complain, okay? When you go and cook dinner, they're not going to complain. They'll love it because you're doing something. When you wash the kids, they're not going to complain. It's when you don't do it, they complain. You're like, why don't you help with the kids? Oh, I'm tired. She's tired too, guys. We're all tired. And, and so, men, when are we to do this, to love our wives, is to consciously make the choices to sacrifice ourselves like Christ did for the church. None of that emotional lovey-dovey thing, but really just conscious choice and say, I'm going to sacrifice myself for you. And it goes on. It doesn't end there. It says this, is that, that in the same way, so men are, in the same way as the church loves, I mean, God, Christ loves the church, 
husbands are to love the wives, nourishes and cherishes them. And what does that mean? What did Christ do to the church that, that nourishes and cherishes the church? And, and this is what it did. Uh, what he did is that he sanctified the church, right? And, and what, so what does it mean? Sanctify is to, to purify, to cling, to set apart. And it says that, that to sanctify means to cleanse her, cleanse the church. So what does that mean as husbands? How do we sanctify our wives? And this is what it is. To sanctify it means to lead your wife on the spiritual journey. What Christ did is this, is that He took us of the world, right? And set us apart and start us on this spiritual regeneration, new life in Christ Jesus, new creation in Christ Jesus. As men, we are supposed to lead our wives on the spiritual journey. And that's what we have to remember. So, so your job is not to make a happy wife. And this is the problem that we have. We always say this, happy wife, happy, uh, happy life. And, and that's not true. Our job is not to make her happy because happiness is so overrated, guys. And I, I love this, this, uh, this pastor. He shared this once. He says, uh, God cares more about our holiness than our happiness. And I love that phrase because think about it. Everything that God has led you through in the past 10, 20, 15, whatever years in your life, how many times are really happy moments where you experience God? And how many times are tough times that makes you stronger in your faith, closer to God? And I think those are the opportunities that God cares more about than the times where you feel like, oh, everything's so good. The times that God really speaks to you, we have an impact in your lives are the times that they're really tough because God cares more about your holiness, your eternity, than your present happiness. And we have to remember that in our relationship. Our job is not to make our wives happy. I'm sorry to say that, wives, you know. Our job is to really build them up and lead them on the spiritual journey. That's what sets us apart from the world. The world's about making the wife happy. We are about making the wife holy, making them Christ-like build them up and we need to lead them on the spiritual journey so if you're doing like the worldly way there's there's no reason your wife should submit to you because the world is an equal world they do what they want i do what i want and and it's the second thing is this is that that, that the christ present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she may be holy and without blemish to present the church what does that mean uh in splendor and without spot and wrinkle it means this that the, to present is to build up. You're, you're presenting your wife. You're building her up so that spiritually for the eternal purposes and glory of God. And, and, and so again, we have to, to go back to this mindset that our effort is not just to pay the bill. That's a good thing. To help around the house, that's a good thing too. And provide what's best for the man. And that's good. You know, have great things. That, that's, that's not wrong. I'm not saying that they're wrong. But the ultimate purpose is our job as men is to present her, to, to make her shine, to make her glow spiritually, to make Make her perfect spiritually. We are to spend time and effort to make her spiritual, to build her up so that she can have this eternal purpose and eternal glory in her life. And that's something that we as Christians need to remember so that she will become the woman that God intends her to become. And, and ultimately, that is a radiant wife. And I've seen that happen. I've seen wives who are spiritual, who are built up by their husband, and they have this just this aroma about this. You know, just you see them, and you just see that they they have this confidence. You know, they have this relationship, and they have this respect, and and for their husband, and, and you can see that in their relationship is very different than the relationship from the outside world. And and so our job as husbands, we are to build them up, to to let them have this eternal purpose, to have this glory of God 
in their lives and people see them and they, they just glow, you know. And, and so, so here's the funny thing that if you and I practice, okay, if the husband and the wives are both practicing and mature Christians, you will have the best marriage possible. Everything about your relationship will be perfect because Christ is in charge of that relationship. And you will have no hatred, lots of love, lots of building up, lots of eternal value, and just it's a great everything. And, and so, so that's what we're supposed to do. Men and women, we're supposed to build one another up. And I have more, but, but you know, real quick, right? So, so leave your husband. You know, sometimes we have attachment issue with the generation today. They haven't cut the umbilical cord with their mom. So they're like, you know, they're just attaching to their moms, you know, and, and time to cut that off, right? Because... This is what the Bible says, that, that you're to leave your mom and dad, right? And form this new relationship, hold fast to your wife, that she is the primary of your life right now. In all relationship, human relationship, that's the most important relationship. Not your work relationship, not your kids, not whatever it is, but your wife. That's what matters most. And it goes on, that the two shall become one. There should no longer be any differences between you and your husband or your wife. You are to become one flesh. Meaning, don't compare you know, don't be like, I put in more effort. I did this year yesterday. You do the dishes today. You know why we all do dishes. You know, why don't we share? Have you noticed that if you do dishes together, it's kind of cool, right? You, like, it's, it's, sometimes you fight, but that's okay. You know, so, uh, but, but to become one, don't compare. Don't feel like you put in more in the relationship. Don't feel like they put less or he or she puts less into the relationship. Because when you compare, when you separate that relationship, when you say, you are you and I'm me, you do you, I do me, you're not becoming one. And that creates conflicts and tension and hurts and comparison. And you will try to do whatever it is to, to, to feel better about yourself. So let's not do that. And, and so lessons to the church. So I'm rushing through this because we have communion coming up. Submit and respect Christ. Right? And, and, and that's, that's the thing. What does that mean in us? That as a church, we need to fall under the authority of God and not man. You know, sometimes I feel like it's so much easier to listen to men because we see men, we submit to men, than to do the right thing and to follow Christ. And, and so in a church, when we serve, make sure that you follow after Christ's desire, not men's desire. And women needs to work, act like women, meaning that, that you're a leader, um, you know, when God calls you to be a leader, and then you're a helper when God calls you to be a helper. God, uh, Paul had Priscilla and Lydia. In the Old Testament, we have like Deborah and all that great woman female leaders that God called them to lead for a specific amount of time. But ultimately, their job is to bring up the next generation, allow men to lead. That is the reality of our faith. And the third one is this, that men need to act like men. You need to stop being so self-centered and start doing self-sacrifice things to bring up the church, to, to serve and to give. And, and, and so they did a, a survey and, and realized that, that men likes to, men loves peace, okay? And women loves unity. This is really interesting. Men loves peace. And what that means is this, that we want quietness. So we do whatever it is to bring quietness to our life. We don't want a nagging wife. So you know what we do? Happy wife, happy life. It's not because we really care about you guys. I'm being serious about this. We just don't want you to nag. So we are doing the, the, the things that will make you happy so that you won't talk anymore. And, and, and so, I'm sorry, you might be offended by this right now. But, but this is the reality. This is the survey. I didn't do this. I didn't make this up. So, so they're saying men are peace-loving, meaning that we'll do whatever it takes to keep that peace at home. I don't want to hear anything. I just do whatever it is, the least amount of nagging possible. So we'll do whatever it takes. But that is not real. Ultimately, you're doing it for you. You want that peace, so you are doing it for you. You need to sacrifice. You need to really love your wife and build her up. Even though it might be confrontation, even though it might be challenging at times, you will do it because that is what is good. 
not what's easy. So today we have a lot of men who take the easy way out. They're not taking leadership. They're not leading. They're not providing. They're not guiding. And, and, and they're picking the easy route. They're self-centered. They're self-obsessed. And, and, and it's just crazy. Like, I, I just, I, I, I don't know why. And I think that's a sin again that in us, we just want to take care of number one, and that's ourselves. So men need to act like men. You need to stop being so self-centered and self-focused. Now, it's not about what you're going to get out of anything and everything. It's about how you sacrifice and lead and build up the church, build up your house, uh, build up your family. So um, as we go into a communion now, and, and this is, you know, I, I kind of want to do today differently again. And uh, uh, so we've been trying out to have group prayers and uh, to really say, oh, let's come together as a family. Uh, but every now and then, I think it's good to have self-reflection and, and meditate on on what God is doing in your life and the things that you have to change. And, and I just, you know, I want you to kind of remember the sacrifices Christ has done in our lives, you know. Because, you know, honestly, here's the key. It says that, that we submit, we love, because Christ loved us first, because Christ submitted and Christ sacrificed. So we really need to know what Christ has done in our lives in order for us to do what God has called us to do which is against our human nature. And, and I just pray that, that this morning that we'll take some time to reflect on what Christ has done for me, the sacrifices, you know, the love that he has provided, that shower upon me, and, and take some time to have a personal confession time. You know, what can I change? What, what, what are some things that I need to come to God and say, I'm not doing good enough? Whether you're a man or a woman, you say, maybe for a man, you can say, I'm not being a good leader. I'm not sacrificing. I'm not leading. I'm not loving without expectation. For a woman, it could be, I need to start letting go, create opportunities so that my man can be a man in our relationship. And then dedicate that to God and say, God, I'm committed to live out this faith, this life, that you have intended for me to live out. So I'm going to ask the community stewards to come forward now. And, and so this morning, we will not break you into groups. Um, and I just want you to really meditate on that and just say, you know, what are the things that Christ has done for me? And, and what are the sins? What are some changes that I need in my life? And lastly, you know, commit yourself to Christ Jesus. And we'll, what we'll do is we'll pass out the elements. And as we pass out the elements, you know, take time to meditate, to reflect, and we'll, we'll partake it as a group. And uh, so don't take it by yourself, and we'll just wait, and we'll do it together. So let's take a moment to uh, uh, just meditate and, and pray as the community steward comes around.